welcome to the Technology Acquisition Center podcast, which we affectionately call TAC Talks. Join us as we discuss highly relevant and compelling acquisition topics with highly esteemed industry professionals and attempt to share information with you, the 1102 workforce, program officials, and our contractor friends. We hope that you find these topics and discussions helpful. So turn up the volume on your earbuds and get ready for TAC Talks. Hello, friends, and thank you for joining me today for another episode of TAC Talks. My name is Chuck Ross, and I'm a Procurement Service Director at the Department of Veterans Affairs Technology Acquisition Center. We have an exciting episode for you again today featuring Ms. Lawanda Jones. Ms. Jones currently serves as the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Office of Strategic Sourcing in the Office of Information and Technology. As the DCIO for Strategic Sourcing, she supports OINT and the department, providing executive oversight and leadership for the development of plans and processes necessary to control, optimize, and leverage the volume of acquisition actions associated with over $4 billion in information technology expenditures annually. She works directly with the CIO to ensure that the accountability and responsibility documented in the Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act, otherwise known as FITARA, for IT and IT-related acquisitions is implemented monitored and followed through throughout the department. Ms. Jones is a retired U.S. Army colonel who served for 28 years in various senior acquisition and information technology positions, and it's truly a pleasure to speak with Ms. Jones today. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Chuck. I'm honored to be here today, and uh, I look forward to uh, this discussion. I'm excited to talk about the different capabilities that we're doing in OINT and really about our partnership, even uh, with you and your organization. Great. So let's just jump right into it then. So so during your tenure at the VA, there have been many changes, uh, one of which was the creation of, of your office, the Office of Strategic Sourcing within the Office of Information and Technology. Can you provide our listeners with just a brief description of the role of OSS, uh, as we call it, and and how the creation of the Office of Strategic Sourcing has improved the acquisition and delivery of IT goods and services to the department? Yeah, and that's a good question because most people say, you know, the first thing that they say, well, your office, that name is such a long name. But it all comes down to partnerships. You know, in strategic sourcing, we're responsible for oversight of all IT contracts. And that's when you look at what the uh, Federal Information Technology Acquisition Reform Act, i.e., we call it the FATAR Act, what the legislation really states is that the CIO is responsible for all IT acquisition strategies or plans, regardless of funding appropriation. So when you look at that, we have to team or create partnerships, not only within OINT or within the department, but within our vendor community too. Uh, So we work with uh, the contracting officers to ensure that, you know, they understand how we're going to ensure that all of our acquisitions are FATARA compliant by ensuring that they understand our acquisition review module, which is a module inside of our uh, budget tracking tool. And as you know, our vendor partnership it's invaluable. And so I received a number on yesterday. We've had, even this fiscal year, over 200 uh, vendor relationships or, or sessions. And that helps us 
uh, with our market research. And when you take everything that we're doing within the Office of Strategic Sourcing, it's our responsibility to ensure strategic partnerships, internal and external uh, to our organizations, ensure that we are FATAR compliant, and most importantly, standardize our IT acquisition processes, our communications efforts, and as well as our training. And that does not mean that, you know, I'm not responsible for acquisition training, but I need to point our staff to the appropriate stakeholders that can give them that training. No, that's excellent. That's a good overview for our listeners. So let me ask you this then. What are some of the biggest challenges or hurdles that you still see ahead for the Office of Information Technology? Um, I mean, what keeps you up at night? You know, when we look at the world that we're in, and sometimes we want to say, oh, well, we're in a post-pandemic. I would say, uh, you know, post-COVID pandemic. We're in a long-term pandemic. And so in understanding that, we have we've have to understand how we forecast our IT acquisitions, how we ensure FATARA compliance, how we're looking at the supply chain and and oh by the way if i don't have those creative processes then my supply chain lead time could affect our business operations so as we're looking at standardizing our it processes making sure our oit employees are trained to make the appropriate uh IT requirements. Uh, and, and so it truly does take a village as we look from a federal perspective and how are we going to deliver the highest quality product and services for our nation's veterans, of which I am one, and at the same time, ensuring that we are good stewards of our taxpayers' dollars, of which I am one and you are one. And so um, what really keeps me up at night is making sure that we are doing the right things, yet at the same time being innovative, uh, taking a look at how do we fund and how do we procure those uh, products and services that veterans need and making sure that we are collaborating uh, to take a look at what are those contractual vehicles that's available for us. And, and you know, we can't assume that you're going to get every contract. But I would encourage people that are listening to me that if you're interested in working with us, uh, it is about partnerships. And, you know, it's about understanding technology, understanding innovation, and understanding uh, customer requirements. And so I think that is the strength and our uh, relationships and our partnerships with industry. Uh, because when you take a look, technology is, it's moving so rapidly. And we've got to get in a place where both industry and the federal government are working as partners. And one of the things that is really uh, troublesome to me is I, I see that we are creating those partnerships, but we need our vendor community to 
to ensure that they create their partnerships with their other vendors. We're looking for uh, commercial industry partners that can work together in our ecosystem. That is really imperative. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So let me kind of spin it now to key priorities. One thing I've noticed since um, working at the VA now is early on, it, it, it almost seemed like it was a scramble to put out fires with the budget that we had. But since your office has been created, there's been much more emphasis put on planning, you know, looking into the future, budgeting, identifying those those things that that are priorities for the agency. So could you talk about any uh, interesting IT programs that might be focuses of the agency here in the in the future? Um, I, I know probably uh, you'll probably want to talk about a little bit the supply chain and, um, you know, obviously HRM and things like that. But um, just didn't know if you wanted to give our listeners any kind of insight into, you know, some of the, f- the future programs that might be on the horizon. Yeah, I think that when we look at these initiatives, particularly that the president is putting out on uh, security. Uh, Security is so very important to us uh, as we look at how do we support zero trust architecture across OIT for rapid uh, execution. And, you know, those words are probably easier said than done, but how do you build that security inside of everything that we do? Uh, How do we make sure that from a a FISMA and FISCAM uh, compliancy state that we are looking at all of our authorities to operate. And sometimes and on the contracting staff or contracting perspective, we really don't think about uh, when we're awarding a contract, what about ATOs? But we're beginning to look at that uh, as even uh, when we're exercising uh, an option period, we're asking questions about access controls, And we're asking questions about ATOs. Are they expiring? Are they almost expired? Uh, Because we see that the FATARA compliance is the front gate to ensuring that those security parameters that we are supposed to do are happening. And of course, one of my favorite topics on supply chain risk management, we... I would say in the federal government, this is not a just a VA uh, interest. If COVID taught us anything, it taught us that our supply chain is extremely complex. And even to say the word supply chain, uh, for me, when you look at it, supply chain itself, it's complex. And then you look at the globalization of that supply chain. And so we've got to make sure that from an organizational perspective that we are putting that supply chain risk management rigor in our strategic planning. Because you and I know that if I need a new car today, right? Simple example, my husband and I, 
we're uh, going to look for a car, right? And mm. uh, it was a car for me. Well, I got mine. And then we walked over to the dealership that was across the street. And this particular dealership had the state-of-the-art electric car. And mm -hmm. so we were sitting down talking to the dealer and the dealer said, well, if you're interested in XX car, uh, sight unseen, you need to put in your request now to get one shipped in 2024. So as we look at the supply chain for a simple, I'll just use laptops, we have to have those strategic relationships so that we understand any supply chain hurdles that we may have and so that we can have those supply chain risk management processes and procedures in place. And so that is something that is key to not just the VA, but also the federal government. And in the uh, Office of Information and Technology, we, we want to become an acquisition uh, leader in the federal workspace. And of course, that is working with our partners at the TAC, our partners in, uh, in, in, uh, with Mike Parrish, uh, as well as the other federal agencies. And we also see that supporting our account management office is really paramount uh, because it's our account management, Brad Houston and his staff, they are at the tip of the spear when it comes to our customers and understanding what our customers' requirements are. And so that helps us from uh, a planning perspective on the acquisition side, understand where we need to, who and where we need to talk to, where do we need to go to make sure that we are uh, structuring these requirements correctly. That's great. Uh, that's good insight, and and you you you're right with the right on point with the supply chain, and and I think we all found that it was in our best interest not just to have you know one standard uh, laptop or one standard piece of hardware during the pandemic. It was good to have a variety of sources in some of those instances to uh, decrease the risk. Um, so and this so is a, before yeah. we go on, sure. let me just pull the string on that uh, uh, on just the supply mm -hmm. chain sure. effort uh, a little more. We, Unfortunately, it took COVID-19 for us to, for the world to wake up and realize the complexity of our supply chains. But in reality, we should have already recognized that with uh, national, uh, natural disasters like hurricanes and, and rainstorms and snowstorms, uh, uh, but it just adds on that uh, flavor of the importance of planning and the importance of the federal government, not just telling our contractors, here you go, here's a contract, go out and execute, come back and tell me when you got it. I, you know, I'm sure we all right. don't do that, but I think it, it really opens our eyes that we have to understand our suppliers' right. supply chain. 
No, you're, you're quite right. I mean, from a contractual perspective, it's quite easy to say, hey, they're not delivering on, you know, a contractor's not delivering on time, terminate the contract. But at the end, we still need what's supposed to be delivered there. And it's it's up to us to be able to manage that and reach out and, and try to, uh, you know, uh, look for other sources. So that that's that's an interesting interesting point that it took a pandemic for us to realize that. Um, so this next one's a little bit of a tricky question and it kind of goes on to that uh, point about standardization, but one of the goals that your office has and has done very well is to buy smarter. And that often results in, uh, you know, some sort of consolidation and, and putting, uh, requirements so that we get the, the benefits of economy of scale, but not only that, but also, you know, some standardization across the enterprise. Uh, but there's still, you know, our end users still have preference for certain types of uh, equipment, IT, uh, software that they're comfortable with, and and as opposed to having the discipline to use some of these vehicles. How is your office um, managing that, or or is there any efforts to try to um, manage and, and create that discipline um, within some of the uh, organizations that still have a reluctance to uh, utilize the enterprise type contracts? Yeah, you know, that's a great question because it's really essential that the CIO has visibility over all IT solutions and that, you know, we really cannot afford to deviate from our enterprise solutions. Um, and it's and the way we do that is really through our Fatara compliance. Um, as a matter of fact, when we finish this discussion, uh, I have a review of a GAO audit where we, that GAO has asked us, they've actually looked at our system and they've gone in to ensure that we are doing IT uh, FATARA compliance on all IT acquisitions. And so it doesn't matter uh, what the funding appropriation is, the CIO has to have visibility over those actions. And so we have to ensure that we have those uh, security parameters. Now, are we perfect? Uh, no, we're not perfect. Are we better than we were yesterday? We absolutely are. So we, we look to our OIT customers to collaborate with us to ensure that all of these protocols are followed. And, you know, and with any company or any federal agencies, we're looking to deliver the highest quality products and services, you know, to ensure that veterans, again, like me, uh, we are getting the best uh, quality, the best products and ensuring that the cost that we are paying for, those costs are advantageous to uh uh, to the government. So I encourage all of the businesses that are planning to work with the department that when you come to us and you understand our challenges, you know, you can help us help you. One of the things that I'm constantly asking our uh, vendor community, I will always ask, you tell me, what do you see as your footprint? Because some things, sometimes we may not be able to see it. And so when we, we, when we have various contract actions over here, over there, we need to really ensure that we are, are being those good stewards of taxpayer dollars and that we can consolidate these efforts. And, um, 
we also have to be ready to listen. I want to hear the good, the bad, the ugly. But at the end of the day is let's communicate your value proposition and talk to me about your capabilities. Also, talk to me about what you think our VA challenges are or our IT challenges. Because when you come to me and you say, can you tell me about your challenges? The first thing that goes through my mind is, Okay, now this tells me you did not do your homework. And for those of you that know me very well, I will probably most likely say that. And for those of you that come in and you say, Lawanda, you have my capabilities over here, over there, over there, and here's your value proposition uh, that I think that you need to consider. Uh, That's a great conversation. Yeah, I've been in some of those meetings uh, with you and and you always do get right to the point, like how is this going to help us serve the veteran better and put it in layman's terms so that we can understand it. And I think that's always a good way to, you know, refocus the conversation. So that's a good segue now into this next one. It's a little bit of an open-ended question, so I'm going to scope it a bit. Since you've been with the VA, what are some of the programs you believe have had the biggest impact on veterans? So let's just focus on maybe two, one or two uh, programs that you are most proud of since you've been here. Oh man, there's just there are just so many, Chuck. I, I know. I have, That's why I had to skip it. <laughs> uh, and, and it's just it's really hard to to narrow down just two. And I, I'm gonna answer this question in terms of the partnerships that we have. And really the partnerships that we have uh with the TAC. Uh, with you and your office and Michelle Foster, the partnerships that we have with Angela Phillips and Phil Christie, uh, and and also the partnerships that we have with the department's Office of Small and Disadvantaged uh, Business Utilization with Ostabu, because all of these offices allows us to ensure that we are providing access and economic opportunities through developing our processes and our programs uh, to improve our market research, uh, to increase our direct access, but most importantly, uh, maximizing the participation of procurement-ready veteran-owned small businesses and service-disabled small businesses, as well as women-owned and hub-zoned. So I know I, I just clumped all of the socioeconomic uh, categories together. But when you think of small businesses, small businesses are the lifeblood of our nation. And so I am so very proud of our our ability to collaborate with the various various offices to ensure that the VA's socioeconomic goals are met. Now, do we meet all of the goals? No. And when we when I look at the uh the goal that the secretary has on small businesses, uh OIT our spend as of today and we're not even done with the end of the fiscal year for small businesses, we're already at 41% of which the VA, the VAY gold is 26.4%. Uh, 
When we look at veteran-owned small businesses, we're at 41.1% and VA's goal is 17%. And then when you look at service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses, we're at 41.2% and VA's goal is at 15%. We're leading VA is leading the way in the federal government when it comes to the veterans' um, uh, small business or socioeconomic goals. What I would like to see some improvement on is our service-disabled businesses, the eight A's. Uh, You know, VA has a goal of 10%, and we've only accomplished 7.2%. And then, of course, women-owned small businesses, and being a woman myself, uh, I would really like to see us increase that goal and reach that goal of 5%. And today we're only at 2.9%. And then on, uh, you know, hub zones, uh, we're only at 0.85% and VA's goal is at 3%. Um, but I can, I know that I've been here for 11 years and I've seen all of these goals just increase. I can tell you that a couple of years ago in the hub zones, we weren't even getting any percentages there. For women-owned small businesses, we were just a snippet below 1%. So we're getting better, but that's not good enough. And, uh, and it takes a village for us to really take a look at achieving all of our socioeconomic goals because, and that's another thing that COVID-19 should have really hammered in our heads that it was the small business communities that suffered. And I'm not saying that large businesses didn't suffer either, but when it comes to economic growth in our country, small businesses are the backbone. No, that's a good point. And you're right. Those are great accomplishments that that you cited there, Um, as well as the one that I kind of overlooked is you brought everybody to the table, too. Um, You know, we've got all of our stakeholders. We're all engaged. We're all cooperating to to deliver what's best for the veteran. And now speaking of the veteran, the end user, and, and your office is unique because you work with a lot of the different program offices, so to speak, and you're the, the, the liaison that really helps them get those needs, wants, and desires on contract. But um, are there efforts that are utilized by OINT to engage with veterans um, that are using the end product to determine their level of satisfaction or any kind of useful technology that they believe would be helpful for future uh, acquisitions? So, and that's a great question, um, because when you look at OIT, OIT, we're responsible for ensuring the IT capabilities. We work hand in hand with the Veterans Experience Office, office who really is working uh, with veterans themselves. Uh, when you look at our, our, our veterans website, uh, va.gov, you know, VEO and our CTO worked hand in hand to make sure that as we were uh, uh, configuring that particular site, 
that it was what the veterans wanted. And I can tell you as a recipient of uh, veterans benefits for my own personal education. So I use our capabilities. And, and as a veteran of which I would say 50% of our 8,000 government employees in OINT are veterans. And so we speak up as a veteran, taking my VA employee hat off and putting on my veteran hat. And we are very vocal uh, because we are veterans and we are the ones that are receiving these capabilities. And we understand because we have walked where our service members that are about to walk out of the door and become a veteran, we've been in their shoes and we know those things that they are looking for. And for all of us that really work in the VA, and I'm sure the same thing happens for you, if you're at a family picnic or a family barbecue <laughs> or any type of affair, and as soon as someone finds out that, oh, you work for the Department of Veterans Affairs, well, can you tell me X, Y, and Z, and why are you doing this or that? And so we become ambassadors for our organization that has one of the highest missions. And so all of us are bringing these things back and making sure that the products and services uh, that we provide is what the veterans want. Uh, and so I would say that uh, we have uh, our account management office who works with all of our uh, staff offices and administrations to make sure that we provide the appropriate uh, IT capabilities that the veterans want, you know, that our customers want, as well as um, just uh, having working directly with the Veterans Experience Office as they go out and they survey the veteran community on a lot of uh, the good products and services that VA provides. That's great. That's great. And, and um, for our listening audience, we uh, will put a link to the Veteran Experience Office in our corresponding blog to this podcast so that you uh, can can click on that and uh, research that a little further. But uh, that's that's good information. So, Ms. Jones, uh, we know you're busy. Um, we thank you for being here. But before we let you go, is there anything else that you just want to share with our listening audience uh, today? Yeah, and, and Chuck, thank you again so much for having me on today. And and for the listening audience, um, you know, as many of you may know, I do have a OIT vendor management office, and that office acts as the front door for IT uh, vendors who are either doing business or seeking to do business with the VA. And so it's our goal to make sure that our relationships are maximized. And so I would ask that you reach out to my office and you know we can also provide you uh, our link uh, uh, to our vendor management um, office. And most importantly, Chuck, as you know, your boss has set up an IT Pathfinders uh, right. link of which uh, 
industry can go in. And so that is the preferred method that we would like for industry to engage with us. And that link uh, leads right to my IT vendor management office. And I would say that um, we're looking for you to be procurement ready. So ask yourself these questions. Is your firm industry number on the applicable National American Industry Classification Systems list or NAICS list. And so ask yourself, if are you registered in the system for award management, i.e. SAM? And are you registered with the Small Business Association, SBA? Uh, and so I, it was a pleasure talking with you all. Um, I am just so honored and so privileged um, to work for an agency that has a sacred mission. Uh, thank you. And and thank you for being here. And, and we will put uh, links to both the uh, Pathfinder uh, site as well as your uh, vendor management office in the uh, corresponding blog. And uh, again, can't thank you enough. You've been a, a great partner with the TAC and uh, we look forward to continue to working with you and doing great things and uh, providing good contracts that uh, serve our vets. So thank you again, Ms. Jones, for being here. And for our listening audience, we thank you for uh, continuing to support our podcast and tuning in to another episode of TAC Talks. As always, we must remind you, the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media, products, or services that they may be providing. We thank you for listening to this episode of TAC Talks and hope you found it helpful as well as enjoyable. You may direct any questions or feedback to me, Chuck Ross, at charles.ross at va.gov. And remember, if you are passionate about government acquisition, are a continuous learner, and enjoy fruitful dialogue, then keep tuning in to TAC Talks.